Hey, it's Larry. Uh, Thanks for listening. Happy New Year. Real quick, before we get into this episode, I had such an amazing, eye-opening, life-changing experience at the World Parkinson Congress in Kyoto that I want others to have that opportunity, too. So Becca Miller and I and 24 of our PD community friends have launched a year-long WPC Travel Grant Fundraiser. We're each doing a two-week Facebook fundraiser. Mine's underway right now because my birthday's January 9th. All the money raised will be used to help offset travel costs so more people with young-onset Parkinson's can attend the next WPC in Barcelona in 2022. You can search out details on the When Life Gives You Parkinson's Facebook page or donate directly to the WPC website. Go to wpc2022.org slash yopdfund. If you or your business would like to supply matching funds... Hey, good on you. Email me at parkinsonspot at curiouscast.ca. And now, on with the show. It's time for another Extra Dosage episode of When Life Gives You Parkinson's. Hi, I'm Larry Gifford. Extra Dosage episodes are those in-between bits, the special bonus content to get you through to the next full episode. One of the cool trends that we're seeing in Parkinson's care are Parkinson's Wellness Centers, created by and for people who have Parkinson's. I first heard about the center in Cleveland called In Motion. It was founded in 2016 in part by Dr. Karen Jaffe. I know Karen from the Michael J. Fox Foundation Patient Council. In Motion is a diverse nonprofit that provides those affected by PD and other movement disorders a place to turn to for physical, emotional, and spiritual support, empowering them to take charge of their well-being. It offers exercise classes, cycling, boxing, plus Reiki, massage, art, and music therapy, and, and more. It was the inspiration for Jillian Carson, who just this summer opened the Parkinson's Wellness Project Center in Victoria, British Columbia. I visited Jillian recently to talk to her about the center and get a bit of a workout and chat about her Parkinson's journey. Jillian greeted me outside of a nondescript building. On the second floor, you get off the elevator, you can see right into the gym where dozens of people are punching and jumping and stretching. I walked through a purple door that says, Jillian's Gym. She immediately put me to work. It was the first day they were using yellies, the small toys that are motored by your voice. So you get on your hands and knees and you yell at the toy to move while you move behind it. So they placed Jillian and I side by side on the end of these mats. We had to race to see who could get their yelly to the finish line first. (laughs) We couldn't just yell anything. They had us count by two. So this exercise challenged our cognitive abilities, worked on keeping our voices loud and clear, and moved our body. We took turns on the speed bag. What do you think of when you hit that? Afterwards, we got some water and Jillian and I sat down and began to talk about the center. She told me that the idea was hatched at the World Parkinson Congress in Montreal. It took six years to manifest, thanks in part to an anonymous donation of $500,000. We really wanted it to be a one-stop shop for Parkinson's because, as you know, it's hard for people with Parkinson's to get around to different appointments and um, to have to go take yoga somewhere and then go take boxing in a different place and then go take your power moves at another place. It just doesn't work that well. So, You know, this is more than just a place to exercise. It sure is, yeah. When I was diagnosed, I think I, well, I know, I hid under my bed for basically 
two years until I saw that. Oh, the World Parkinson's this in Montreal. I can go to that. And um, I made a video, and they actually played it in the opening ceremonies. The people, I guess, I was runner up for the People's Choice, and uh, that's when Andy McDowell got the uh, <laughs> the prize. So Andy beat you out. Andy beat me out. Uh, Andy did. Andy. Yes. He is brilliant. He is brilliant still. Uh, so, yeah, so Andy and I went up on stage, and it was fabulous. And then I, that's, yeah, the vision started there, just seeing all that. And then when people get together who have Parkinson's, you sit, you just sat with us around the table. It was like one person that had never come. He was there for the first time, and he said, oh, I know a guy who was diagnosed. He won't, he just doesn't do anything because he doesn't want to come. He said... This is so great today. I'm going to go tell him. I'm going to bring him next time. And that's how it works. And we know uh, we learn the most from each other. What's it do for you? For me, it, it keeps me healthier than I think I would have been without exercising. Everybody needs to exercise, but it um, uh, it keeps me moving. I have big challenges to move because I have a, I've had a spinal cord injury too, and so I've got like a double whammy, and I have dystonia, which is separate from Parkinson's, and so it doesn't it, feel like it's separate from Parkinson's. It just feels like it's all part it's of one thing. Yeah, it all, it's this just the whole thing that it's really hard for doctors to tease out, but um, that part. Because it feels so great after you've done high intensity exercise. No, I love that. I don't like the sweat. I actually, I like the sweat, but I like the the euphoria kind of afterwards is good. Um, and uh, I think maybe it's the dopamine or something. Yeah, well, but sure. and but however, as you can see, I'm a social person. I was a caregiver. I was a physiotherapist. I I talk to people all day long, and staying home not talking to people was very unhealthy for me. So really, the social part is probably even more, more for me. Yeah, yeah. Have you picked that up yet? I have picked that up. Yeah, <laughs> you're pretty social. People like you. You bring yeah. you're bringing community together. Yeah. I always say I grew up with, with a family of six kids, five four brothers, and had four brothers and a sister. So uh, all in eight years. So um, we it was always somebody around. Jillian was diagnosed nine years ago, three weeks before her fiftieth birthday. Her symptoms continue to progress. I have a tremor on my right side. I sometimes it, it's going to my left now, um, but my my major positive is I'm dystonia dominant. Oh, really? yeah, yeah. Dystonia came before. I was I was actually playing uh, tennis with my husband, and all of a sudden I couldn't I couldn't let go of the of the racket it was just stuck and another time he reminds me I don't I, I remember it when he reminds me so I remember it right now I was uh, we were actually in Paris and we were on a, a anniversary trip and walking and walking and walking and then just all of a sudden my legs were like trees absolutely those big Douglas fir trees pretty much and I couldn't walk anymore so he got me back to uh, the uh, the, the flat that we were renting and lay me down and my both my legs were just still sticking up in the air and they wouldn't go down it was like really weird symptoms and uh, what were you thinking at the time I was so tired I couldn't even think that time but I was thinking this is not right and it's funny because when I told my dad too like there's something he goes you should go to the doctor for that that's that's, that's not right and my dad's brother 
had Parkinson's, and my dad's mother's brother had Parkinson's, and I seem to be following their symptoms really closely. So in my mind, I'm convinced there's a big genetic component that we just haven't found all the genes yet. We do know the young onset ones, right? And... Um, but I don't. I don't have those. I've been tested, but um, I, I'm sure there's other ones that one day they'll find them and see that there is that genetic. And then something just maybe it was my 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 injury to my neck that triggered it. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I talked to a lot of people who are like, yeah, there's a genetic component, and then there's the environmental, and then there's something that has to. There needs to be an incident or an event or something that triggers it. Yeah. Like, that, at least the people with Parkinson's, that's what, I hear that theory a lot. Yes, and I do too. It's either like, they have cancer, or they've been in a car accident, or my situation, I was um, on the water slides, and we, I, we, I was with my youngest, she was six at the time, and we had lost control on the tube part, and so I didn't want her to get hurt, and I knew at the bottom there was a straight down, so I grabbed her, and just as we hit the uh, top of it, I threw her so she wouldn't hit. And so she got in the water, but as I did that, by the time how physics work, for every action there's a reaction, I react, I went backwards and I, I hit back my head on the bottom of that slide, so yeah, and it ended up herniating a disc that broke in two and it was sitting in my cord, so I, it took a long time. They knew I had ripped the C7 nerve root off but of my right arm, but they... What happened was the disc had migrated about a centimeter down in my cord and was just sitting on the, the inhibitors of my cord, which uh, why I have that separate dystonia in my right arm. So I imagine that hurt. It hurt a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was on a, a lot of gabapentin. <laughs> <laughs> But they couldn't figure it out because the MRI, in those days, like that was quite a long time ago, they have way better MRIs now, but they didn't really, I kept saying, I don't know, because of the Parkinson's stuff was in there too, and they, nobody knew. It was weird. Very, I'm, I'm a difficult patient. <laughs> Even as a health healthcare professional? Well, usually healthcare professionals are the most difficult. Oh, why is that? <laughs> I've told, been told that many times, just because they think they know too much maybe i don't know <laughs> well so so having played both roles right. what's your advice to people with parkinson's as it relates to dealing with the healthcare professionals yeah it's really important that you communicate and not just go in and say i'm fine there's nothing wrong with me because that's what i did yeah i'm fine i'm okay i can handle this i know what to do <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I, you weren't fine no i wasn't i wasn't in so many different ways so um but Coming up to nine years, I I'm starting to feel to the acceptance is there, and um, my mental health is a whole lot better. I've gone to CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, oh, okay. and um, be calm, which have been really really helpful. You said that you've come to accept it. How long? What was that journey like? Um, it was hard. It, it's um. I was in denial, of course, always for those years, and then, but, but what really changed it was just meeting everybody else that coming along, going to the World Parkinson's Congresses, and meeting people who it was incredible. As you saw in Kyoto, you, you look around, you see all these people who are living well with Parkinson's, and they're laughing, 
having fun and so yeah I can do that too so that's what that's it was really in Montreal that got me and connected connected to the global community and then it's just been taken off like you you're on the um, Michael J. Fox uh, advisory council I'm on the patient the patient advisory council for a quarter therapeutic pharmaceuticals in um, Boston so I've been there a couple of times uh, Dr. John Stanford t- took a group of people who it's called he called the program Inside Out, so it's for healthcare professionals who had Parkinson's, and we went to Belgium two different years in a row, mm. and we we really talked it out as you know because we were healthcare professionals and knew what the science of Parkinson's, we also knew the symptoms and and what it felt to live with Parkinson's. It was a it was a good project that they did. Yeah, I think those more and more there the patients are being included in the research and in you know the the pharmaceutical companies are reaching out and trying to better understand yeah. the the living experience with it not just the science of it but what like how's it manifest yeah. in a in a person yeah and for you know cuz i was a scientist I'm still always a scientist how can you actually know unless you have it is how i you know even going to see your doctor for whatever, even an hour, you really have to come and live with me for a couple of days to see what my symptoms are. Is that an offer? Yeah, sure. You can, come, <laughs> you can come and visit. Yeah, we're in Brentwood Bay. Best place to come visit. <laughs> we have a spare room, Larry. Um, bring bring you and your wife and Henry. Yeah, we're, we can have a good time. We're coming. Okay. <laughs> As the Parkinson's takes hold, Jillian finds everyday household tasks more and more difficult. Heavy lifting and things and, you know, trying to do vacuuming and stuff. My husband help, has always helped me out doing that, but uh, I trip, I fall. Like, I, I, I've, I've, I've been getting lots of falls the last two years, and uh, it's, that's not good when you fall. So um, I don't cook anymore. That's another thing. Why not? Um, because my right arm has no strength in it, or it goes into dystonia, and then I'm flipping around um, these knives and hot things that I shouldn't be. Actually, that was one of my first symptoms, too, is my husband and I were sitting having tea, waiting for our daughter to get off work, and all of a sudden I was drinking my tea, and all of a sudden my hand went like that, and I threw the tea in his face, and you should have seen the look on the waitress's face. She was like... And my husband's going, what's that about? <laughs> I go, I have no idea. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> so. Wow. And that was before you were diagnosed? Yeah. That, yeah, it was a couple of years before I was diagnosed. No idea what that was, but my husband will never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you consider part of your care team? Um, my family first, um, my husband and my children. Um and of course, my doctors. Uh, I've been unlucky, unfortunately, because my I'm I'm, you know, I'm turning sixty soon, and my doctors were that ten year older group. Who so my doctor at the UBC retired, my physical medicine doctor for my spinal cord retired, my surgeon retired, and so I'm all st- I'm starting all over again. My GP retired, so, yeah, I'm starting all over again with new doctors, which is really hard to do at this stage. They don't know 
where I've been and what I've done and who I am. So, so, so how do you do that? Communication. It's a slow process. Um, the other thing is, is you know, GPs don't really know much about Parkinson's. They've admitted it to me, so I can say this out loud, but they don't. And so, mind you, neither do a lot of neurologists, and because we don't have a cure, it, it's hard to, to tweeze out. But um, Do you have, a, like, a, 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 a spiritual community at all? Um, I have a... I lived in Brentwood Bay now for... 30, 30 years and so I have some really good friends here I, my son who's now 33 he um, his friends parents we all got together and there are our group of really good friends awesome. you know I always say like you need to with Parkinson's you need to have a, a life raft and not just one person in it you need at least eight right because if one of them's not available, you need someone else. And so your life raft needs to be full. And um, those, those friends are, are my life, life raft. I, I, I don't have an organized church that we go to right for spirituality, but I don't think spirituality is still strong in, in um, humanity. So, so it's my friends. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I love that. As she settles into the couch in the lounge of the center, you can see the delight that she has beaming through her eyes as each familiar face walks through the doors and says hello, or grabs a cookie, or shares some bit of success in their workout that day. It's just a, a dream that I thought would never happen, and it's here now, and I, I'm going to start crying now, because these people, everybody deserves to have the care they need, and... I see it now. I watch them come in and they come out of their classes and they're smiling and they're sweating and there's lots of laughter and there's it's beautiful. There's a place we get to go. There's a place we get to go. Things to hit and things to throw. Things to hit and things to throw. They keep us moving both slow and fast. They keep us moving both slow and fast. Some days I'm not sure I'll last. Some days I'm not sure I'll last. But every Friday I find I'm ready. No, we go. We're, we did the missions when we first started, but we found like it's like when you invite we it's community and it's our family. We, this is the Parkinson's family in in Victoria, and we don't. If we invite friends over for Sunday night, do we ask them to bring the dinner? No, right? So we decided to go to a donation only. And uh, that way we don't exclude anybody who can't, because there are people who can't and there are people who can. And uh, we know with our budgeting, we know our budgeting costs are, it costs us about $100 a month to, to run the programs for one person. And, and people know that, so $100 a month will cover one, one person to be in the program. And so some people give a bit more, and some people who can't, they don't. They don't have to. They can still come. Yeah. This is an example of how each of us can make a difference. You don't need to open your own center. You don't have to host your own podcast. But do what you do. 
At Jillian's gym, she depends on an army of volunteers, and some of the participants bring baked goods, which maybe is counter to the exercise thing, but brings smiles to the faces of people who often can't smile through their masked expressions. So just be you, do you, share, engage, help, volunteer, educate, socialize, bake, bike, raise funds, participate in research, tell Parkinson's jokes, answer questions, give a hug. The options are endless. One of the new ways to interact with us this season is by leaving a voice message on speakpipe.com slash when life gives you Parkinson's. Here is one of the messages we received this week. Hi, my name is Cindy and I don't have Parkinson's disease, but I listen to when life gives you Parkinson's every week because Larry, Nikki, Rebecca, you have done amazing things with this podcast, not just for the Parkinson's community, but I would say for lots of people with chronic illnesses, including me. I have mast cell activation syndrome, which is a rare chronic disease that affects a part of the immune system and that affects every part of my everyday life. I'm allergic to nothing, and yet almost anything could make me have a massive allergic reaction when I'm not being properly treated. So when I first was diagnosed with this a year ago or two years ago at age 40, I searched on podcasts for um, chronic disease patient support, and I found When Life Gives You Parkinson's. And what you have given me during this has been amazing. It's so hard to describe to other people what it's like to be relatively young and be sick and not look sick and have to deal with giving up so very much of what you expected your current life to be, but also what your future was supposed to be. And Larry, you get it and you share it with the rest of us. So thank you very much for what you're doing. Keep doing it. And for those of you interested in my illness, please, um, visit mastocytosis.ca. Thanks. Well, Cindy, thank you for that kind message. The website she referenced is mastocytosis.ca. Easy for me to say. M-A-S-T-O-C-Y-T-O-S-I-S dot C-A. I poked around that website as I'd never heard of this before. Like Parkinson's, there are dozens of signs and symptoms. Not everyone has the same combination of them, and no one knows the cause. There's no known cure. Mastocytosis is hard to diagnose. It could take up to 10 years of collecting and suffering from symptoms before doctors figure it out. Cindy, all the best to you and the others with mastocytosis. What a crazy world we live in. All of us here are gratified that the pod is resonating with the PD community and now beyond. If you have a reaction to an episode, you want to share some thoughts, or you want to introduce us to your amazing chronic illness, leave a voice message online at speakpipe.com slash when life gives you Parkinson's. And that's your extra dosage. Coming up in the next episode of When Life Gives You Parkinson's. Uh, my name is Brett Parker. I'm uh, 51 years old, and I was diagnosed with Parkinson's about 13 years ago. My day job is executive director of the New York City Bar Association. By far the craziest thing I ever did was the World Marathon Challenge, which is seven marathons on seven continents in seven straight days. So you have you, you've, you've got Jimmy Choi on American Ninja Warrior. I was not expecting Parkinson's. It was the furthest word from, from my mind. I even swore at my doctor, um, you know, you're effing crazy. You got Tim Haig, who won season one of Amazing Race Canada. I call Parkinson's my new best friend, whom I hate. And uh, <laughs> we just try to live... <laughs> Try to live together in some semblance of peace and uh, 
move on and, and fight back against it every day. You know, these you're all examples of people that are doing things that you probably shouldn't be doing with Parkinson's, uh, but it's inspiring and it's you know, drawing attention to it. Why is it important for us to have bigger than life moments like that uh, in order to raise awareness for Parkinson's? When Life Gives You Parkinson's is a Curious Cast podcast. Our presenting partner is Parkinson Canada, parkinson.ca. If you'd like to help spread the word, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free to this podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and everywhere you get your streaming audio. You can also listen at CuriousCast.ca. Engage with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just look up at Parkinson's Pod. Or email us, Pod at CuriousCast.ca. And be sure to check out the show notes for more information about what you heard here today. When Life Gives You Parkinson's is written and hosted by me, Larry Gifford. Dila Velazquez is our story producer, sound designed by Rob Johnston. Keep positive, keep exercising, and keep listening. We'll talk to you next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.